Welcome everybody to nwczradio.com channel one's down the rabbit hole. I'm Big D. And I'm Brandon. And once again, it's great to have everybody along. I know we're in the holiday season and a lot of you are busy. So the fact that you're choosing to take some time and join us on this quest of information and knowledge, we do appreciate that. Oh yeah, yes we do. And before we get into it, wish you a happy birthday. It's belated now. It is, it is, but hey, you know, hey, whatever, it's do, so good. Do you have a good uh, a good birthday? I did, like I was telling you before we started, I did, uh, you know, uh, went to the movies with the family, went out to dinner, had a nice, you know, prime rib dinner and all that stuff, saw the movie Violent Night, which was just a, a ultra violence to the, the funnest level, but um, <laughs> it was a good movie, good, good, good chance to get away and not think about, you know, everything for a bit, and then, yeah, like I said, this morning we did... I do every year. It's the the pretty Mike challenge, a stupid workout where we start with a hundred pounds and then drop ten pounds every every quarter mile until you run a five k. That movie. It sounds like one of our listeners, uh, Danielle, should have been in that. Oh, it does. She should have. She <laughs> would have been great in that movie. I bet she so, would have. The part that actually cracked me up, the gram, the the uh, one lady in the movie. It's actually the mom from uh, National Lampoon, National Lampoons. So she plays the the old lady, and she's hilarious. So because she's nothing like the mom from National Lampoons. And for those of you who don't know, I, I'm saying that with all sincerity. We have a listener. Her name is Danielle, and she's an actress, and she's in a she lot of horror films, and she's great. I've watched. She is. I've stuff. watched a few of her. I've watched a few of the movies, um, and they are really good. So, well, I want to remind everybody that you can always reach out to us at. Down the RH at protonmail.com. Down the RH at protonmail.com. Thank our buds, as always, over there at fringeradionetwork.com. Merry Christmas to those guys and nwczradio.com channel one. Yes, Merry Christmas to all of you. And, and whatever else is going on out there. Yeah, whatever whatever you celebrate. Whatever you're celebrating this time of year. Me personally, it's Christmas, and I, but I know that's not everybody, and some people get it whatever offended if you don't i've always been the, the the thought process on that is you say what you want yeah and exactly i take what i mean out of it so if you tell me happy hanukkah amazing that's yeah. awesome happy hanukkah yes have a great happy hanukkah to me i it's a merry christmas you know when you say happy holidays i feel like it takes it away from i agree myself so it's a merry christmas for me and take that as you want for whatever holiday you you subscribe to or don't subscribe to so i mean Went to solstice, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, very well put. So we are continuing our series here on the big program or small program, however you want to see it, of yeah. the families of the Illuminati. And today we have an interesting one because it is, it's definitely a bloodline. Mm -hmm. And up to this point, we've talked about specific named families. Yes. And this is not a specifically named family. However, this bloodline, in my opinion, probably runs the whole show. It, I think so on a, too. on a I'll just say on a worldwide level. Yeah, it's definitely the most historic. It is, and I, I and it's one of those things because I mean it's it's one of those uh, because it's really you can't find anyone really with this last name now. Oh no, no way. The last name is gone. Because it's been interwoven, really. And it's hard to say because really it's almost like you should have the other bloodlines and then this is the one above them. Because almost every bloodline has this bloodline running through them as well. That's why it's I it. say I think they are the original. If they're not the originators, they're very close. Well, I mean, it depends on who you ask. A lot of people think that this, this is the, the bloodline that will uh, create the Antichrist. Yes, we'll get into that. So today we're talking about the Morovian bloodline and the morovians they were a dynasty here mm -hmm. on the earth for uh, well a few hundred years it was like ad 476 to around 752 yeah fifth century type thing and they were huge in the greco-roman culture and they were world leaders they were uh, this frankish line of kings who basically ran the world. They were in competition with, obviously, some other parts of the world, but they were really focused in on Isla like Islamic and uh, the Arab and people or countries over in the East. They were trying to conquer them. They mm -hmm. had a, a real foothold in Rome, and 
they were closely tied, and I think this is where we're gonna, it's going to get interesting. They were closely tied to the Catholic Church, and yes. they were saddled up very, very tightly with the Pope. And so many people believe that they were going to use the Catholic Church, and some still believe this is the case, that the Catholic Church will eventually, at some point, tear away from its roots and become the one world religion or the religious, at least the catapult to it, because they hold so much sway. It's very interesting, because one thing is, too, because even, you know, you talk a little bit about... um, the, the sway and all that, even with uh, Fritz Springmeier, when he talks about the 13 bloodlines, there were, he was very specific to put this one as the 13th bloodline. Yeah. And this one is considered because, and it's not coincidence that most people consider this the 13th bloodline because it, it is the bloodline that, you know, the 13th bloodline is the most important bloodline. And as we yeah. know, 13 yeah. is, if, you, if you're into numerology at all, 13... The number 13 has a myriad of meanings and definitions. Yes. And it is specific to dark and to, in a lot of unlucky and Satanism and all kind of, it goes back very, very deep. 13 is, a, is an interesting number if you're ever just to go down the rabbit hole on that number regarding numerology. I may have to sometime because, I mean, out of all the numbers, that's the only number that's tattooed on my body, so... Is it? Yeah. And why is that? Because it's always been my lucky number. Really? So, as I was growing up, when I played in sports, when I did everything, 13 was my number. Interesting, because so I've I, always heard 13 is an unlucky number. For me, it was always my, I always, I think that's why I picked it as my lucky number, because everyone else said it was unlucky, so nobody else wanted it, so I'm like, I could always get it. Maybe so, you're a Morovian. I might be, so, yeah, so I went with 13 was my lucky number, so when I got my 13th tattoo, it's a, a, the number 13 on fire on my arm. If you've ever read the book, and I've talked about this on my midweek podcast, The Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which I think mm-hmm. is a garbage book. I mean, it's interesting to read. There's, there, there's a lot of historical facts in The Holy Blood, Holy Grail book, but they take some yeah. major leaps across the Rubicon to make connections that are not there. That's where I have problems with a lot of those. I've read a couple of those books where they have like they have really good information, stuff like that. And when I'm doing research, I found a lot of sites that have really good. I like it because of their historical data, but then all of a sudden they take huge jumps and you're like, wait a minute, how did you get from there to there? So like Alex Jones level jumps that you're just like, mm-hmm, I don't know how you got there. Yeah. And the the authors of that book, and they did write, they wrote a follow or the, yeah, they wrote a follow up book to it which was just as garbage and because they got so much flack for writing it. But the, the point is, is that the Holy Blood, Holy Grail and the movie, The Da Vinci Code mm-hmm. are basically these theories about the Morovians. And I almost wonder if those aren't floated out there as so bizarre notions because they claim that the Morovians have the bloodline, they're the bloodline of Christ and that he had uh, this relationship with Mary Magdalene, and they had kids, and those kids have been... They're still around. thats um, It's a mixture of pure blood and human blood, obviously. Yes. Like godly blood. And that they have them hidden away somewhere. And, and some people say France. Some people say it's in, they're in the Vatican. Other people claim they're in like Bavaria. They're all over the world. And they are under this watchful eye of the secret society. And the bloodline, to keep it pure, to keep it going, when, you know, so they protect it. However, some have gotten out and they've bled off into the world. And in fact, I looked at a website that claims pretty much every U.S. president has Moravian bloodline from this special class. I've only seen a few of them. Like I, I saw it where it had a few, um, like Washington, George Washington, George Bush. Um, I mean, I, I could see George Bush being from an inbred bloodline, but um, just because of the mental parts. But I mean, it, it's one of those things that it's. There's a lot of claims on that, and I found that a lot of that too, where they basically like the Moravian bloodline, like you said, is basically stems from Christ Himself. 
which is why they say that the, the it's the 13th bloodline and why that's going to also be the bloodline that creates the Antichrist. Because you to get the Antichrist, you have to get it from the same bloodline. So according to a site that I've looked at that did a, a tree on this, the, the presidents, just to get to that, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven that are not related or connected to George Washington through bl a blood relationship. Martin Van Buren, James Polk, William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, Ronald Reagan, and Bill Clinton are not connected to George Washington. And I have this page here, and I can go through some of them. Like John Adams is eighth cousin, three times removed. You have uh, Ulysses S. Grant, six cousins, three times removed. You can get into Lyndon Johnson was an 11th cousin, seven times removed. George Bush was eighth cousin, six times removed. Barack Obama, second cousins, nine times removed. Uh, Herbert Hoover, Calvin Coolidge, all of them. Will, William Howard Taft, with the exception of the, the set one, two, three, yeah, seven, they are all connected to George Washington. And the claim is, is that it's through this Moravian blood. Yeah. And that they are essentially pre-picked. It's almost a requirement According to this, it says the presidential family tree goes far deep and intertwined with all former presidents, even Trump sharing kinship that belonged to the same general ancestry, often called the 13th Illuminati bloodline, the Moravian line, and or the Windsor Bush bloodline. Hmm. So that's pretty crazy. That is. It's very, very crazy. And it's, I don't know. It's interesting to find because, I mean, there's another one, too, that actually says um, a book called Be Wise as Serpents. Yes, I want to get that book. I haven't read it. I, I was looking at that. I want that one, too. That claims that all of the Mormon presidents, which we went down Mormonism yes. before, that all the Mormon presidents in history, whether they're RLDS or LDS, both of all presidents have come from the Moravian bloodline. I saw that, too, and I was shocked. I did not know that. Yeah, so that was one that I was like, oh, wait. So not only are they saying the U.S. presidents, but they're saying, you know, on top of that, even like the Mormon presidents, which brings Mormonism again into, you know, religion, into the, you know, the same realm as the Illuminati. Well, and wait till we get to the Russells, because oh, yeah. they're all about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, the Russells were the watchtower all of a sudden. That, and that's where all of a sudden when I'm looking at the Moravians and they're saying, oh, they're, you know, Mormons are all come from Moravian bloodline. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, and the Russells, they're the ones that, which originally I'm like, the Russells, they don't even sound like they're going to be that interesting. And then I started researching. I'm like, oh, it's those Russells. <laughs> it's the ones that started, you know, the, you know, the watchtower and all that. And it's like, oh, now we're going down a whole nother, you know, whole nother thing. So. I also found this. It says Gerard de Sade, and it's spelled S-E-D-E, -E, so I could be saying that wrong, Sade or said. He has a book called La Race Fabulace, and I assume he's French. And in this book, he claims that the Morovians were descendants from matings between extraterrestrials from Sirius and the tribe of Benjamin in ancient Israel. Also, he claims that the semi-legendary founder of the dynasty, Morovic, allegedly sprang from a union of a woman and or a sea creature. Hmm. There's also claims that the family is linked back to another extraterrestrial race of serpentine peoples. I've also read in several places that they trace themselves back to the tribe of Dan, which is one of the original tribes of Israel, which are supposedly the... You know, God's chosen people, and they were the first people on earth. And then the, when they all split off into the different tribes, the, the tribe of Dan was basically the cursed tribe. Yeah. And that they have vowed their vengeance, and they, they were basically given crappy land and chased off because they were disobedient and sort of rejected, I'll just say, from polite society. And that they have, but they had some power and. Some people believe they were hijacked by Satan and they plotted this plan. And that's been the goal uh, ever since was to go to the rest of the world, or the rest of the earth, set up their kingdom and have this ultimate final battle over the earth between Satan and Jesus or God, however you or both, however you want to put that. Yeah. 
the mystery of where the Morovians start is deep. And it, there, I can't find, other than the fact that they are these sort of Frankish kings who ruled during the 5th century. But once you get past that, it's all guessing as to where they actually came from and how they actually started. Yeah. When Rome collapsed, when the whole empire collapsed and it created a vacuum, which is what happens, the Morovians were the ones who stepped in to sort of reshape the political map of Europe. They're the ones who held control for, I think it was around 250 years or so. And nobody really knew where they came from, how they got that power, how they made the connections that they did, how they saddled up next to the Pope. And, and it was interesting because while they didn't lead the Crusades, they lent a lot of help to the Crusades. Yeah. And in, spe in spreading Christianity around because they saw that as the power base at the time because they had the backing of the Pope and all that, the money they have and the power and everything. But then as soon as it didn't suit their purpose, they sort of uh, went off and did their own thing. And that seems like a lot with these bloodlines. And I mean, especially like, you know, when we really look at the Moravian bloodline, and like I said, it's really hard to really, like even the Moravian bloodline, you can find the origins, but then it ends up wrapping around so many other things that it's like, oh, weird. You know, um, they kind of disappear, but not really. They disappear, but they're still there. And like you said, I think they are the ones, you know, and they kind of follow their own thing. They're most orders like the masons uh the skull and bones most of those orders are basically traced back to being started by morovians yes according to this as per the legendary tale this is another another guess as to where they started a man named chlodio along with his wife stayed by the sea one summer when his wife had gone to bathe in the sea one midday, she was found by a beast of Neptune and got pregnant. So basically, he probably, I assume he raped her. And yep. she gave birth to a son whom she named Morovich. And Morovich is, by all accounts, where the, the Morovian dynasty got its name from this guy Morovich. Where he yep. came from is the mystery. Some people say he's one of the products of down the line of Jesus and Mary. Which, like I said, that's where a lot of this goes back to Jesus and Mary. I mean, that it came from, you know, Jesus and Mary. That Mary Magdalene and Jesus were had children, and that's the Moravian bloodline. That's somewhere along the way, you know. Even the guy that you're talking about now, that, that maybe that was where, you know, yeah. It's yeah, weird. and according to this, I thought this was interesting, because if you know if anything about history... Back in the early centuries, because we did, it was not modern at all for the most part, there were certain tribes had certain ways of displaying themselves, whether it was through clothing or jewelry they wore or um, you know their hairstyles or all, there were all different markers to sort of set yourself apart and then so people would know what tribe you were in or who you were. Mm-hmm. Well, the Moravian kings were called long-haired kings. As they never cut their hair. And they believed that their power was in the long hair. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know the story of Samson who had the long hair. And his power was in his hair. And his power was in his hair. And in you know one of the stories where they chained him up, he pushed over these pillars of this temple and it came crumbling down. It was basically the, the cornerstone temples. And, and, you know, that's where the, the Delilah tale comes from because she tricked him into getting his hair cut and he lost all of his strength. Yeah. So put two and two together, we have to assume that he was part of this Moravian tribe. It says, for them, the cutting of the hair of the king was considered a symbolic loss of power. A king who had his hair cut would be forced to step down. But when in power, the king was the master of all the spoils of war, claiming the land of his defeated opponents as well as people and possessions. So, enslavement. Uh, it all fell to him, and he would re redistribute this conquered wealth among his, quote, first 
followers as he saw fit. So this, again, people say, well, where does this idea come from of this one world government or these totalitarians and these leaders? It's been with us from the beginning. Yes. There are people who, whether they're kings or intellectuals or the, the most powerful or whatever, it seems like there's this innate nature in human beings to be either leaders or followers and, and, and not a whole lot in between. No. And then occasionally you have a small band of rebel rousers, which is where we get great stories like Star Wars or yeah. you know, any great story where there's a, there's a group that's had enough and they go fight the big government or you know, the powerful dark force or whatever. And they're the rebels and you, you root for them because they're the underdogs. And th this has yeah. been a common theme in history, like actual history. Oh, very much so. I mean, where you get a lot of that where, I mean, you see, you know, when we start doing a lot of this and I go down rabbit holes and when I was going down the rabbit holes, talking about mummies and stuff like that, just seeing the way, I mean, King Tut, if you look at all that, that's the whole idea of King Tut. The reason why when he was so amazing when they found him was because he'd been erased by, from history by the people who took over after him. Him and his father, because they changed everything. And then there was, a, you know, a whole like uprising behind him and all that stuff. And I mean, it's you see that a lot in history when the par problem is a lot of times things are written in a way where we believe it this way because the, per the history is written by the winner. Oh, yes, absolutely. This I think there's a lot of things with the Moravians like and stuff like that where they're they've learned how to be in control and in power, but in the background. Yes. And I thought this was interesting. Because this is on a historic website. This is just plain history about the Moravians. This is not from any conspiracy yeah. website or anything. And it's this was a line that jumped out to me. According to a number of scholars, the Moravians lacked the sense of responsibility to their citizens. They were also criticized by several historians for their oversimplified views where a lack of support for their peasant class undermined their domestic economy. So in that line, what it tells me is, is that they were at the top and they got to make all the rules and have all the luxury and all the spoils and they completely ignored the peasant class, the, which would be average Joe citizen all the way to slaves, which is they had a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And it was so much so that it basically undermined their economy because and it's the same kind of thing that the world's pushing towards now. This idea of everybody's a victim, everybody should get paid because they they can't work or they you know whatever the problem is that the government needs to fund individuals. Well at some point you have more people taking than providing. And when that happens your economy flips because you can't have that. I mean for instance right now just in the United States I read the other day that it takes 11 people working to support one person on social security. Wow. And a lot of the baby boomers have not fully retired yet, which is a massive amount of people. And when that happens, we're going to have a real big problem because you have the younger generation who is not working. They don't want to work. They don't like yeah. working. They're content to sit at home and live with mom and dad and be on their computers and stuff all day. And I know that's a generalization, but it's the truth. Yeah. I mean, it is a generalization, but most generalizations like stereotypes come from a basis of it. We're not saying everybody in the younger generation is this way, but a large number of the younger generation is this way. And I've seen it, you know, I've seen see it, it too. Time. I've seen it too. Look, when I was, and again, <laughs> I don't want to sound like the old man, but when I was growing up, there were plenty of opportunities for teenagers 13 to 16 to work you didn't get paid much but you there were lots of things to do you could have a paper route you could mow lawns you could babysit you could do all, a lot of different things and then when you turned 16 there were <laughs> so many jobs that you could work at fast food restaurants you could work at the bowling there were jobs set up as entry-level jobs mm -hmm. they don't have that anymore 
Those things have all gone away. So kids, in my opinion, not to get off on a, a, a separate rabbit trail here, but we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't have those opportunities and they're not taking the initiative to create them from, from what I'm seeing. And so they're not given the work ethic that they need to when they actually jump into the workforce. Yeah. And that was like me when I was younger. I mean, if I wanted something, you know, there was Christmas and my birthday, which were in the same month that I would get a couple things. But if I wanted something big, like every one of them, I, I got a, you know, basic model BMX for my birthday. I didn't like it. Wasn't what I really wanted. It was enough to get me started. And then I went and did my own thing. I had two paper routes. Um, I'm allergic to grass, so I couldn't mow lawns, but I would babysit, do all sorts of things and earned enough money to buy myself a top of the line. You know, at the time it was mongoose was the top of the line was a top of the line mongoose bike. So if I wanted something, you earned it. Nowadays, kids are like, well, just give me, well, you know, you want it, get a job. So back to the Morovians here, this divine, and they call themselves divine. They, they consider themselves this divine line of kings, which is really odd because no other line of kings or nobility or royalty ha- have ever dared given that to themselves. Well, it's like you said, they are direct descendants of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and the theory on, the theory on that is, is that Jesus di- didn't actually die on the cross. He he was cut down before he died, and he was smuggled out over to the Middle East, and he was accompanied by Mary Magdalene, who was, according to a lot of different theorists, was she was already pregnant. Their royal blood is this Sang Rael, R A A L, and well, some of the, I've heard, I've heard it the one I've heard it two ways: one that he was either cut off the cross before he died, or he did, and then when he was, you know resurrected three days later he didn't ascend to heaven like his belief you know right. a lot of people believe he basically him and mary magdalene just left and that at some point during the travels it's not mentioned in the bible but at some point they had been married yeah i mean it, there's all kind of theories i I've, no. it just depends on who you are who you're reading mm-hmm. because like i said it takes some major giant leaps to even get into halfway believing that some of it's even a possibility. I mean, it is. It's huge leaps, but then, I mean, you get a lot of people, I mean, you know, we believe the Bible to be a certain way, but, I mean, it's a believing, it's reading between the lines. Where they read between the lines where it says, you know, that he ascended to heaven afterwards, but it doesn't say he stayed there. You know, they're like, well, maybe he ascended to heaven. He had lunch with with his dad and then came back down and him and Mary Magdalene took off. And the the Bible stops talking about him at that point. Well, the Mormons say he came to America's and I mean, he did talk to the uh, to the Indians at the time, according to uh, Holy Blood. They were high enough and it didn't flood there. (laughs) According to Holy Blood, Holy Grail, he shacked up at some castle in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also, like I said, read that he was hanging out in Bavaria somewhere or um, somewhere in the Middle East, and nobody really, <laughs> nobody knows. No, but there, it's all theory. Well, because, like I said, I mean, besides you know the Mormons and you know in their religion believing that he came back, he came back, but he 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 came over to you know after he was resurrected, went up to heaven, and then popped up over in the the Middle East, or not Middle East, but the South America. There's nothing in the Bible. The Bible, I mean, it pretty much stops after he rose from the dead. I mean, there's a little bit of what happened with Peter, what happened with some of the other, you know, the the apostles. But as for Jesus, after he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and then there's nothing. So yeah, I mean, knows? he basically said, I'll be back one day. Yeah, and maybe what he meant was like in 15 minutes, and him and Mary Magdalene left. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, according to this, it says the uh, the Morovians viewed the church as a tool to be used for their own purposes. I yes. thought that was interesting. It says they regularly appointed laymen as bishops and sold church offices. And Pope Gregory tried to institute reforms, but they were resisted. Finally, in 752, Pope Zachary deposed King 
Chedric III ending the, quote, Morovian dynasty. And then it sort of, a period of time went by and it moved into the Carolingian dynasty. And so a lot of people wonder, well, what happened to the Morovians? What, when their dynasty ended, what became of them? Where did they go? And that's a mystery as well. It, it is. And, and I think it's one of those things. I think it's like we've mentioned before. I think the Moravians, you know, in all honesty, could have figured out being in front of everybody. It's hard to control people when you're being watched completely. When everyone's staring at you, when you're the king and you're the royalty, they're like, everyone's watching you constantly. They're watching every move. Like we see it even worse nowadays with, you know, the, you know, social media and everything else. And I think they realize we're being watched if we, you know, cause who knows, maybe them, the Pope saying, Oh, you're done. Was their excuse to say, you know, they asked him to do it. Maybe they even wanted it done so they could step back into the background and pull the strings. Not only that, but they, they, after saddling up again, you know, to the church, when the church started bucking back, they went after the church big time. Mm -hmm. The the church became a target. They started stealing their, their gold and precious metals. They would plunder and burn down monasteries and basically went on this tirade. And I wonder if that wasn't when they made the, a deal with the devil or whoever as to, because they felt they got slighted by the church is what happened. Yes. And they felt that they were helping the, the, the Catholic church and they were sort of in this uh, simpatico relationship. And the, according to them, they believed the church sort of left, left them hanging out to dry. And so they turned their attention onto the church, which was their ultimate downfall, by the way. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things that it's tough for me to say. And I know um, you're very religious, and I do believe. No, in no, I'm not religious. I'm a okay, Christian. Okay, you're not. I'm a Christian. Yes, There's a difference. A there is a difference. Because that's the thing is a lot of people have this issue with me sometimes because I have a, I, they, it seems like I have a, a problem against religion. I have a problem against man made religions. And the problem that I have is every religion we have, they may have started with the right idea, but they've been changed and manipulated by man over years you know being religious i don't think i'm i'm not a religious person i'm a spiritual person which to me means something completely different so because most religions i have a big problem with most religions because most of them are are greedy oh i have a huge problem with religion in general just religion there's a big difference so listeners when you hear me talking and i i say something about religion and everything else i'm not poo-pooing God and Christianity. I just, there's a lot of issues that I have with modern religion and the fact that they become greedy and it's no longer about God. It's about image and it's about, you know, greed. Yeah. And I echo that sentiment because I, I get into this with a lot of my Christian friends as well. They'll use the term religion or religious. And I, I strongly buck against that. But I did find this interesting. This was another, this was a historical site that I was looking at about the Morovians. And every now and just a line jumps out at you and you have to sort of read behind the lines. And this says, because they were, they were talking about how some people believe the Morovians came from Jesus or Mary. But, and then it goes on and says, and others disagree saying that the Morovians possessed the blood of demonic entities and many of the Morovians died under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. There was one, and I found it in one article, and I've been trying to find it again, um, where there was a somebody who had the theory that the Morovians weren't from Jesus. They were actually from Lilith. Lilith and they're part of Lilith's, blood, Lilith's bloodline. And if you don't know who Lilith is, yeah, that's a whole nother... That's the, a whole nother demonic thought. So... That they came from Lilith, which that's a whole nother. That's one I think I'm going to go down one day. I want to go down the Lilith rabbit hole because that's that's insane. Yeah, I was so I was intrigued by that. What are these mysterious? What are these mysterious deaths? Like, what what does that even mean? And I I came across all kind of websites, archaeological websites. Like, Like this one's just the headline. Archaeologists discover 300 burials in ancient Morovian 
necropolis. And they don't know how they died. They have no idea. They just they found these bodies in this I'll just call it like a like a grave and they there's no sign of them being murdered or you know like they don't have broken skulls or broken bones or any of that stuff. I also found this researchers unlocked the mystery of the mummified lung of a Moravian queen. In 1959, an inexplicably well-preserved lung was found in a stone in the Basilia uh, St. Denis in Paris, France. Since then, researchers have often wondered just how the lung of the 6th century Moravian queen had withstood the passage of time so well. And then they, they claim to have uh, an explanation they say, along with the skeleton and preserved lung, there were strands of hair, jewelry, several fragments, and so forth, and you know, a bunch of jewelry and so forth. They basically say that the lung had been naturally mummified or artificially preserved. So to me, that's not an answer. That's a guess. Yeah. And so you have, there's several, I, I could go through a bunch of them, these kings and queens of these Morovians and how they died, and it is really strange, and how a lot of them were haven't even been found. Uh, I think that that the death site that they found the three hundred was the most they've ever found in obviously in one setting. But there was they did testing on the bones, and they t- took samples of the soil, and they couldn't find any poison. Or there's just inexplicable. They just laid down, and that was it. Weird. Here's another one. It was, uh, this is from ResearchGate, and it's titled Autopsies and Philosophies of a Moravian Life, Death, Responsibility, and so forth. And in this article, it basically just talks about all these different Moravian, I'll just say remains that have been found. Uh, It says, in the 7th century, a cluster of problems about death, agency, and accountability arose in conjunction with new ideas about the afterlife. Moravian intellectuals challenged and adapted late antique theories of moral responsibility and eschatology and that the soul's destination after death could be influenced by earthly actions. These changes were informed by increasingly social understanding of human choice and behavior. That says a lot to me right there as well, because if that's true and they rejected the Roman Catholic or Christian of the day notion of the afterlife and how you get there and what's there. Yeah. What they're saying there is, is that they figured uh, much like some of the mystics and, and some of the Gnostics is that you're in control of your destiny. Yeah. There might be a God or, or there is a God and there is a, you know, there's a Satan or whatever, but how you rule or whatever you do in the afterlife is influenced by what you do on earth which makes sense when it's tied, you see the tie now to Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and even a lot of Catholicism. Yeah. Because a lot of those are works-based religions. Very much so. Whereas if you get into what I'll just say is mainline denomination Christianity, it's not work, work-based at all. In fact, it's the opposite. Your good works are a result of your decision to follow Christ, the good works don't earn you anything in the afterlife. And so if you have these, if you go back to the theory of that there is good and evil, there's a God and a devil. And on the one hand, it's saying, this is the way to heaven. And then there's going to be an opposite way. So you have these two different philosophies. It makes a lot of sense as to what, how they inf- how they worked and what they were doing, and even all the way down to today, because people say, why did the Illuminati want to run everything? They ultimately think they're going to have power in the afterlife. Yeah, wherever they're go- wherever they think they're going, because they believe that Satan is the actual like he got a raw deal. We've talked about this before many times. Yeah, that that Satan. They feel like Satan got the wrong raw deal, and Satan is Satan's right. Yeah, he's right. He's he's on the same level as God. He's just, you know, like you said, the winner, 
the winner writes the history book. So the Bible is actually the history book of the big battle between God and Satan. And it was just written to make him look bad. And so if you saddle up to him, it's no different than saddling up to God. It's just in a different way. It's, it, yeah. it's a different power base or whatever. And according to that philosophy, what you do here on earth, how much you accumulate, how much power you have, how much you do to, I'll just say, please that God is going to determine your place in the afterlife. And they're all jockeying to be whatever, head, I'll just say demons, because that's sort of what we've been, you know, that that is the, ling- the lingo of the underlings of Satan or demons. Yes. But they see that as a positive thing. That's a good thing. And so when we talk about the Moravian dynasty, it's, it, it's difficult in the fact that we can't give you a name of a person. And we don't even know where they came from, but they did exist. It's a historical fact that they did exist. And there are lots of mysteries around this group. Yeah. I mean, it's very, I mean, it's proven historical facts that they existed. But like you said, there's massive mysteries around them and nobody knows where they went. So it's like they were here. We know they existed. We know what they, they were a thing. What happened to them? Where are they now? What are they doing now? And like I said, I think they understood that being in, they couldn't control and do what they wanted to do when they were in the spotlight and they needed to step out. And they stepped out of the spotlight and they're pulling the strings from behind and their bloodline is now running through all the other 12 you know, plus the other ones that we aren't even talking about, their bloodlines are running through all of these secret societies and the new world order, new lizard order, whatever we want to call it is being run by Morovians. Yes, because they do know what the Morovian bloodline is. They have been very protective of it throughout history. That is true. That is a fact. Mm Mm-hmm. And most of the rulers, I'll just say, especially in the Western world, because if you follow this Barovian bloodline, it brings in the royal family over in England. It brings in a lot of the French leaders. It brings in a lot of the Western European leaders are all part of this bloodline. Mm -hmm. And it can't be a coincidence that over history, all of these presidents and world leaders are all connected by blood and that most of them were involved in either the masons or mormonism or secret societies or any of this stuff there's no way that that's a coincidence not at all there's no way it doesn't happen in any other level of society if you start a business and you hire people you're if you're just hiring randomly, the odds of that are astronomical. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. If you walk down your city block for, I don't know, three or four blocks and asked everybody where they were from and took DNA or blood samples, it would be from all over the place. Yeah. There's no baseball team or basketball team or I mean, any group, you name it, any group that you put them all together, even, even in Christianity or in, uh, in Judaism or, well, maybe in Judaism because they, they did all come from the Jewish, you know, the Jewish uh, background, obviously. And yeah. so their, their DNA and blood is probably pretty close, although over time it's, a lot of it's been watered down. But, you know, you get the drift. You have yeah. any group of big, big group of people over history there is no way you're going to have this connection. It's impossible. And the power that's been created and the wealth that's been created and the influence that's been created by these groups. It can't, it's not random. Not at all. So that was one of, the, to me, the interesting thing about this Morovian bloodline because it, it truly is, it's not about a name. It's about the blood and that they are very, very serious about their bloodline being passed on and being as pure as possible because they think, they believe there's some nobility to it. It's royal. It's otherworldly. It's special. You don't have it. They have it, and it gives them some sort of 
power base or some sort of connection to the actual rulers of the world or the universe, whether it's aliens or a sea creature or Satan or Christ or whoever. They believe it. That's the bi- I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. They truly believe these things and they act accordingly. And, and that is the scariest part is sometimes it's not about what is true in a lot of cases. It's about what they believe to be true. Because when this group broke away from their sort of relationship with the Catholic Church, they went full on the other side. They went completely pagan Mm -hmm. and started sacrifices. And again, they had very little regard for their slaves and their peasants. And so they just saw them as playthings. And that philosophy pervades to this day. When we talk about the elites and we talk about these world manipulators and we talk about all these players that are in our face, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, um, Soros, you just go down the line. They carry this same philosophy. They carry this same thought process. They, They carry this same idea that they are way better, way smarter, much more powerful, and we are all just the playthings. They have no regard for those below them. It plays into eugenics. It plays into you know, the bloodlines. It plays into this philosophy. And so there's many angles at play here. And I, I get into this discussion with a lot of people who say, they just can't wrap their head around the fact that this could be true because you're, I think people look at it on too simplistic of terms. They do. Because you and I and people I meet, have, I don't have a desire to run the world. I'm not looking to keep anybody down. I'm not looking to impose my views on anybody. They are. They view, they view that as a good thing. It's something that they have to do. It's almost like, they're calling in life and they're working towards more power in the afterlife or eventually just ruling here on earth. And they're not going to have to go anywhere else. I mean, that's, that is the ultimate goal. And they do. It's one of those things where a lot of things where we run into things and we're seeing this in society now is you can have your beliefs. I can have my beliefs totally fine. But what we're seeing in society is it's you either believe what I believe or you're, you're a horrible person. And that's where these families are. They believe this is how it's supposed to be. If you're not with us, you're against us. And to them, 90% of the world actually, I mean, 99% of the world is against them because they aren't them. And it's not just their belief. They believe that their bloodline also puts them above. And this idea that this Barovian bloodline came from either a beast or Christ or whatever, this is nothing new. In no. fact, I found a, an article that quotes a 7th century text. It's called the Chronicle of Fredegar that claims the Morovians descended from Quinotars, which, is, which are sea beasts. We'll go back yeah. to the 7th century. Yeah. And so... It is, uh, it's sometimes tough to wrap your brain around how long this has been going on. And if you look at, oh, there's a great book that I read one time. It's, I can't remember the name of it, where it takes a look at history through the lens of more this philosophy of the attempts to take over the world through, through history, basically, all the different yeah. attempts. And it's amazing how what we've learned about history as far as this group battled that group, uh, they went to war with them, this group conquered that group, and they became this group of nations. There have been battles and there have been attempts since the dawn of time, basically, to create this one world system to where there is this hierarchy of leaders and then everybody else and they run the show they they basically own the thing and so i don't know why people have such a hard time wrapping their mind around it that it's it's still going on to this day yeah 
it's 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 just done it's in a different way. Now it's done through through um, modern technology. It's done through, and it's all based the same thing, same tactics, just different tools. Back then, it was that they scared everybody with myths about volcanoes and and the 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 weather gods or uh, beasts that didn't really exist. And, you know, they would sacrifice kids to the sun and all this stuff. People wonder where all that stuff came from. Those were attempts to keep the people down and afraid by the higher ups. Mm-hmm. And so we have the same thing now, you know, a lot of people get on me because I'm, I don't buy into climate change. And well, if you dig below the surface, it's the same trick. It is. And it's, for me, it's one of those, I don't buy into climate change as they define it. Correct. Do I do I think that maybe the temperatures might be rising a little bit? Sure. Do I think this has happened multiple times in the throughout history? Yes, because history tells us that the temperatures go up and down. We've had ice ages. We've had, you know, the dark ages, literally are considered the dark ages because it, it rained pretty much for 500 years. I mean... We've had these changes in environment. It's part of the evolution of the earth. Yeah. How many coal factories, gas cars, uh, factories that were... I need to go and look some stuff because it looks like from one of the things I was reading, um, Switzerland, I think it's Switzerland, uh, maybe banning electric cars because of the power grid. I just saw that article. And then in, also in France, they're telling them uh, you're not going to be able to use your electric cars with the exception of emergencies and maybe to get to work and back. You're going to have to shut them all down because we can't handle it. We're, they yeah. sold too many. And I, I talked about this. I knew this stuff was coming. Oh, yeah. We've mentioned this before that it, eventually it was going to be a problem. Yeah. I mean, because you, the grids just can't handle it. There's no way. But, no. but anyway, I think the point is, is that these tactics and tricks of scaring humanity into submission have been going on for a long time. And the Moravians were certainly uh, one of the early ones to start this. They did it by brute force. Mm -hmm. They just went around and, and, and that happened a lot back in the second, third through, I don't know, eighth century where they would just, you, if you had the biggest group of guys who were ruthless, they just go around and just torch places and kill people. And, and that kept everybody in line. Yeah, because you really didn't have a way to defend yourself, and most people weren't interested in just randomly killing every killing people and and taking over everything. They just wanted to have a good life, just kind of like today. Most yeah. people just want to have a good life, be left alone. They're not out to hurt anybody, and they just they just want to clip through life. But that's not what they want. No, they want us to be under control, and we are not. You know that's it they just want us to be under control that's the way it's it's they want it they want us to be under their control have their mindset do what they want us to do not have our own thought process we don't want to think for ourselves oh and it all, all this stuff that we've talked about co comes together under this umbrella of the moravians the, the, the georgia guidestones with their mm -hmm. their their goal for humanity how many people can be on the planet yeah uh, the, the rules of how to run the land. It is a multi, multi-layered attack. It's a slow march. Every now and then they up the game. And that's when I think those who become awake to it see it. There's pushback. There's fight. But every time they gain a little more ground, a little more ground. And we're in one of those right now. Whether this is the final push, I don't know. But this seems to me, looking through it historically, this is the biggest push from multiple angles we've ever seen. Yeah. And the squeeze is on. And it's up to people to wake up. I also read that over in uh, the Netherlands, they're going to go ahead and take 3,000 farms from the Dutch. Like They've been talking about it. The, the Dutch farmers have been protesting it for months now. And the government says, yeah, you know, those cows, they're farting too much. Uh, we're going to have to take that land. And they're some yeah. of the biggest providers of food for all of Europe. Yeah. And you know what else farts? Horses, dogs, uh, humans, 
you don't see them shutting down horse farms. There, there's a lot of things going now that are quite interesting. Um, yeah. And I think it is a push, you know, because like we said, the New World Order, they do want less of us. Because the less there are of us, the less there are to, to fight back and the easier it is to control. Well, and I do think it's the first time in history that I can find that it's been written out so succinctly if you want to read it. All you got to do is pick up a couple of books or go to the website of the World Economic Forum or a few other of these other groups. Read. They're putting it down in writing. We've never seen this. They're very, very bold about it. Mm-hmm. And I think the Morovians back then would be jealous as to how they're going about it these days. But in the end, the Morovians are running the show anyway. It's just it's the modern Morovians. Yeah. So that should give you a good leaping off point. I will have to say, if you want to read Holy Blood, Holy Grail, or The Da Vinci Code, now The Da Vinci Code obviously is fiction, but it's taken from supposedly historical factual events. And The Holy Blood, Holy Grail is written as a nonfiction theory book. It's an interesting read. I don't buy it for a second. Like it's, it, they take massive, massive leaps that are just I do. huge swipes where it's just like, and then this happened. It's like, wait, how? Wait, wait, wait time back up. <laughs> yeah. But they do t- talk a lot about the Morovian bloodlines and a lot of that, the historical aspects of the Morovian bloodlines in those are true. And, and uh, so they did do good research on that. And it's a fascinating study. It really is. It is. It's very interesting to to read some of it, like you said, that it's just, I don't know. It's like you want to believe some of it, but then they jump so far. And it's like the, the thing I've made comments before on Alex Jones and some of the other ones where I can follow you to a point, but then you make such a huge leap from this information to this, you know, belief that it's hard for me to get. It's like when we did the, the pizza gate, where we're like, we can see some things. There's some really messed up stuff here, but how you jumped from that to believing that there's little kids underneath the, you know, the, the, the store. Yeah. I don't see it. And that's one of those things that, you know, I see with the, some of this other stuff, you know, on some of these, you know, like the, the book, the Holy blood, Holy grail, um, they, they jump. It's like, I can see the history, the the information you have is great. And I find that a lot, a lot of websites where it's like, this is a lot of great information, but I don't see the connection between your, your facts and your findings. Yeah. And their theory that now yeah, to me, theory. I think I, the way I described it when I initially did a review on that book is they, instead of starting off with a fact finding mission, they started off with a theory and they put the facts into the theory. Yeah. And that's a dangerous way to do research, in my opinion. Very dangerous. Because if you start with a thesis and then you look for things to fill the void of your thesis, anybody can do that. That That's, mm-hmm. that's not research in my book. So anyway, I've got the midweek podcast and it's interesting you talked about the Pizzagate thing because I think I might have to talk about this Balenciaga thing and how it ties into Pizzagate. There's a lot of weird stuff going on right now uh, that I would say coattail onto what we talked about Pizzagate going oh, on. Sure, in, yeah. yeah, going on in the world and a lot of weird connections there that nobody wants to talk about. Probably talk a little crypto with what went on with FTX. It's a way it's way deeper than a lot of people are hearing about on the news as well. Uh, the government's trying to crush crypto and they they may have done it. So I'll be talking about some of that stuff on the midweek and we'll be back next week with another family. We still have, I think, a couple more to go. Yeah, a couple more. And we were actually, I mean, originally when we talked about like for this week, it was going to be pretty much almost a finish of the last couple families because we're like, oh, yeah, there's not a whole lot here. And then we started looking at the Morovians and we're like, oh, there's a lot more here than I thought there was. And then there's another one of the families um, that we saw and we're like, yeah, I think there's a whole episode here as well. So, yeah. So we look forward to that. Everybody have a fantastic week wherever you're at. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Big D. I'm Brandon. We're out of here. See you later.